I'm your host, Bailey Sessoms, and you're listening to CEO Convo, the podcast for unapologetically ambitious entrepreneurs. So get ready for some candid conversations with top-level entrepreneurs, dropping gems on building relationships, dishing the raw realities of running a profitable business, and realistic strategies on getting it done. Hey, all my hustlers and CEOs, I want to thank you for joining us for another episode of CEO Convo. On today's show, we're going to talk about how to get noticed on social media and reach your target audience. Our next guest has been in the beauty game for over 20 years, specializing in marketing and product development. She's helped major brands, including Lori Mercier Cosmetics, Sunday Rally, Cover FX, and 18B with building positioning stories, strong product lines, and marketing campaigns to catapult the brands to success. Today, she's a co-founder of Kinko, a personal care brand launching its first with a balancing natural deodorant. Please welcome to the show, Chelsea A-Strike. How are you, Chelsea? Oh, I'm so good, Bailey. How are you? And thanks for having I me. Am- Thanks for coming. And by the way, thanks so much for sending me um, a sample of your deodorant. I have to admit, I love it, love it, love it. I'm actually wearing it now. (laughs) Okay, well, we know that you smell good then. (laughs) Yes. You know what? And I haven't used a liquid deodorant in a long time. And the one thing I do like about the product is I don't feel like it goes on wet, obviously, but it doesn't stay wet for a long time. And I think that was one of the things that I don't like about um, with deodorant. So I'm definitely glad that you sent that to me. Greatly appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. I'm glad you're a fan. Thank you. Yes. So all my CEOs, today we're going to talk about how to get noticed on social media and reach your target market. Our scenario for this show is um, from a young woman. Um, She just launched her company six months ago and decided to focus on social media marketing efforts on Facebook and Instagram ads. Um, She said her team, um, they're a team of two people with limited resources. So when they needed to go, so they realized that they needed to go deep and narrow with their targeting efforts. Um, What are some strategies for getting our account seen and cutting through the clutter and social media algorithms? So I think that's a great question because I think with small businesses, uh, when there is a small team, like like she said, the um, resources are limited. So what what suggestions do you have for her with this? Yeah, you bet. You know, and it's social media changes every day, and that's the great part about it, but also the very frustrating part about it. You know, and it also depends on what industry they're in. Because for example, like you mentioned, uh, Kinko, we launched a natural deodorant, and the natural deodorant category in the last twelve months has blown up, and it's com- it's become so crowded. So fast. Everyone's launching one. So you really got to hone in on points of difference. But the first thing, and no matter what industry you're in, you've got to define your target audience. Nothing in social media and cutting through that clutter is more important than finding out who you're talking to. Because if you're talking out there with this white, and you're just going to cast this wide net, you're wasting money and you're wasting time and you're never going to get seen. So really, before you ever even um, develop your own social media account for your business, business, 
who do you want to talk to? Because, um, and so many people today, you know, and I'm a marketer and so many marketers love to say, oh, we're just going to focus on the millennials. You know, everybody, oh, let's, we'll just focus on the millennials. They're the hot new thing. It's the, it's the thing to do. And um, there are so many sub-segments of the millennials. There are Gen Xers, there are Gen Yers, there are baby boomers, you know, whatever it is. And again, like, um, just for example, with our deodorant, you know, technically, everyone needs a deodorant or should wear a deodorant or we like to think they're wearing a deodorant. Um, but we're not after everybody. We can't be after everybody. So we really had to do a lot of thought um, into who we wanted to talk to, men, women, how old, where do they live, all those things. Because without doing that first, you can't, your social media is never going to work. Right. So that's number one. Uh, number one to me is target audience is so important. And then even uh, beyond that is who is your competitive set. And to me, that's so important because once you have who you're talking to, then you also know who your competitive set is because with social media, part of the strategy of cutting through that cl- uh, the clutter, excuse me, that's hard to say, cutting through the clutter, um, <laughs> is, uh, you know, targeting, retargeting, prospecting, look-alike audiences. We can talk and dive deep in that in a minute. But um, how are your competitors doing it? You know, and really studying uh, the, the competition and really defining your audience. That, that is step one to me before you ever turn the computer on, right? Or ever look at mm-hmm. your phone is defining those two things. I would agree with that. So, you know, there's a saying, if you, if you don't know your audience, you can't reach your audience. And I think a lot of times people or small business owners feel like, oh, I know who my um, target, you know, my target audience is. And essentially everyone needs to sit down and create an avatar. And that avatar yeah. meaning, you know, if, it's, if you're catering to, catering to women, if you're catering to men, so let's say for argument's sake, you're catering to women. What does she look like? What is her name? Like you said, how old is she? Where does she live? Mm-hmm. What brands does she purchase from? What are her What are her beliefs? That's right. Obviously, I would. That's right. And this is just off the top of my head. I would figure people who are into natural deodorants are usually health conscious, so they are mm-hmm. more conscious mm-hmm. about what they eat. You know, working out. Not to say everyone is that, but that seems to be more targeted. So right. I think that avatar. Because what happens is when you start to take out ads and do your marketing. You have to t- you you essentially have to take yourself out of the equation. So you have to ask yourself, okay. okay, let's say your avatar's name is Sally. Would Sally do this? I may do this as Bailey, but with Sally being a stay-at-home mom who works out, who has kids, who X Y Z, would she do these things? And regardless of what I would do, if the answer is no, then that automatically tells me, okay, that's not the path I need to go down um, when it comes to marketing. 110%. And I think also, too, in addition to all that, it's like, what are her most important life moments? You know, is she getting married? Is she having kids? What decisions is she making in the household? Um, if Again, if you're going after women. So it's also paired with those life moments, decision-making moments, uh, and following her throughout her day. Again, if you're selling beauty, or if you're selling vacuum cleaners, or whatever it may be, um, there's a need for all of that. How do you fit into her life? And then 
So going back to social, so now you've defined your target audience. You've defined your competitive set all, which is great. Then you're saying, okay, well, what's the content and how am I going to get it in front of her? Obviously, it's all about content. As they say, content is king these days. Um, our tone of voice, are you cute? Are you fun? Are you serious? Are you science? You know, whatever it is you may be, how is your tone and how are you going to resonate with her in that conversation and create that emotional connection because social is there to create that emotional connection. She wants to be part of your community because once she is part of that community, she's your ambassador, right? She's reviewing, she's telling her friends, she's doing all of that. And so that is the goal of social marketing mm -hmm. um, is to really engage her and be her friend, even though it's through a screen and you're not technically talking to her. Um, verbally, you are speaking um, this new social language, right? That has become uh, so important in our society. And so um, how do you engage her then through your content? So again, we're still talking about so much, Bailey, that even happens before you ever even create your account, right? right. Um, in talking about all these defining uh, audiences, your competitive set, and then tone and voice, and what is your creative then look like. Then you can create your account. <laughs> and once you create your account, then even in the business and in the decision making and in the planning mode, um, I have found, especially with limited resources, uh, you mentioned some of the brands I've worked for. When I worked for them, I was on the ground floor. We were entrepreneurial, we were young, no budget, no team. Um, which is I, maybe I'm a glutton for punishment. That's what I love. I love <laughs> the fast forward, crazy pace, um, and just very cross-functional because there's there's literally no one else. I mean, this this uh, prompt, you know, and this girl has a team of two. Um, mm -hmm. That's no one. So, um, but these two amazing people who were making a go of it, and I think then because of that you have to be okay with not being able to do everything. You're not going to be able to focus on YouTube and Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and TikTok and, you know, Snapchat. You're not going to be able to do all of it well. So if you've got limited resources, you've got a limited team, pick one platform to start. Pick two. I always like to pick two because you're talking to more people um, because within each platform themselves, they have their own demographics. Facebook tends to be a little older, Instagram a little younger, TikTok really younger. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it just depends on, again, going back to that first, uh, you know, first thing we said, who are you speaking to? Then where do you think they are? Pick the two that resonate with your target audience and go deep go narrow and do it well. Um, because again, like I said, if you spread yourself too thin with two people, even a, ten of, a team of 10 people, you know, you're, it's just too small. You know, you've got to just do one, do two and do it well. And so that is definitely something I tell uh, so many of my friends who are starting businesses or even just colleagues in, in mid-sized businesses just do one well, then you can expand. But if you're trying to do all of them and then you don't do any of them right, you're spending money against that um, and you're spending a lot of time and a lot of those limited resources are just going away in the wind because you're not talking to anybody. Right. I, I correlate that to, I always tell business owners, if they can, to blow up or become successful in their hometown. So that way that mm -hmm. acts as the foundation when you go to expand your reach. So if you're a local and because you're in you're in Texas, so I'm in D.C. Houston, so Texas. 
Yes. And if you if you decided, okay, I'm going to focus on Texas, starting in the Texas demographic, and I'm just using this as an example because people know you, you know, it's easy to get press um, in whatever local newspapers and television show, you know, news shows and stuff that you have there. And then use that as a stepping stone to then go national because a lot of times, not all the times, but I find, you know, people want to do what everybody else is doing. You know, there's there's what I call the herd mentality. I would just, you know, so I would just, so that was just an example. So if D.C., um, D.C. is a little different because we're like a melting pot. I know actually Houston is becoming more of a melting pot too now, but D.C. is definitely a melting pot. So I just say it's kind of like what they say about New York. If you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. But just having that support system there and knowing that you're going to have those followers, you're going to have those ambassadors that will tell their friends, which is even better if you're in a transient town because then because they're coming from different areas of the of the country, they then go back and share stuff with their friends and their family, you know, in their respective cities. So I wanted to kind of piggyback on something that you said, though. You had mentioned, so your target audience, how you inject yourself in their lives. How yeah. would that, like, would an example of that be knowing what time they're on social media? So the time that a professional is on social media, nine times out of ten won't be the same time that a stay-at-home mom is on on social media? That's so true. And that's where um, social media, even though you do, and that's, again, why I say just do one or two platforms, because, yes, you will have to know who you're talking to. If she is, and I'll just use our company as an example, if that's okay, we are targeting the millennials because they're the ones bringing the clean movement to the table, right? They're the ones who said, wait a minute, all these toxins are really crazy. Uh, Give us something clean. So aluminum-free deodorants, you know, here we come. So, but also we are talking to the Gen Xers. She is over 40. She is a mom. She is of the generation that microwaves came into her home and frozen dinners and TV dinners and all that convenience. Because guess what? Our parents were the generation who all of a sudden were both working, men and women, you know, the dual income families. And so convenience is key. So, so um, the Gen Xers have a little more spendable income, which is great, but also they're having their children and they're like, wait a minute, I just read all this bad press on aluminum. I've been using aluminum on my skin forever because now we're also had some of our friends have been diagnosed with breast cancer and we're like, wait a minute, maybe we shouldn't be doing that. On the, you know, on the one flip, we're looking at our friends who might be going through this, also turning to the other side and we have children who now are needing deodorant. We're like, well, wait a minute. I'm not going to put aluminum on them either. You know, why would I do this? You know, I'm going to do better by my children. And so that's where from a target market uh, standpoint, yes. So millennials might be on a little later at night. Our Gen Xers, she's getting home from work. She's got kids. She might actually be checking her social media at work because (laughs) that's the only time she could fit it in. You know, we're certainly on the commute in the morning. So it could be 7 a.m., could be 3 p.m., could be 9 p.m. And so that's where the frequency of posting to even though you only got a team of two, you know, and limited resources, constantly being in that newsfeed is so key to cutting through that clutter. But then also engaging with her, you know, even um, as if somebody posts something, like it, share it, respond, engage, they send you a direct message, respond, and make sure you are keeping contact with these people, either through a customer service perspective, because social media is customer service these days. It's also just not from a, you know, hey, look at my pretty picture. It is a vital channel of your community, or uh, customer service, excuse me. And so constant 
dedication to posting exactly like you say though Bailey at different times of the day for when she's in those moments that are convenient for her uh, or him again depending on the industry um, and be and just being where she is in her moments exactly like you say but then talking to her about yes we're a deodorant for you but guess what I, I have a 12 year old daughter who she wears deodorant you know I'm talking to other moms who have preteens and teens who need deodorant as well because they're the decision maker in their household kids aren't out there buying their own deodorant we all know that <laughs> so um do they buy anything on their own uh, but yeah so you know that's where uh you know you're talking to the decision maker in the household and how do you serve her needs as she's commuting staying at home you know catching her where she's available absolutely it's so key but it takes time to learn that's where also too just from social marketing once you've narrowed down who, what you're going to, what you are going to focus on, what channel, you know, say it's Facebook and Instagram, um, those, that's what you can dedicate your time and your resources to. It's test and learn. The great thing about it is you can do some social advertising for very little per day. It's not a huge drain on your financial resources. Obviously, then it's not very scalable. However, you can just start to dip your toe in that water and see what works. Does mm -hmm. she, you know, try an audience that reads Allure magazine is, or is she um, into, like you say, wellness and yoga? Is she a yoga, you know, a yogi out there or is she into, um, she, she likes the CrossFit or, you know, whatever it may be, or she's into vegan, she's into um, cruelty free and she's a leaping bunny fan and only does, you know, shops for brands that are cruelty free, you know, and then you just Spend a little and test and learn and test and learn and test and learn. And then you layer in lookalike markets, retargeting once you've been on your website, prospecting, all these other things. But it is great that social advertising can be done just a little at a time so you can get those learnings to then be in her feed when she, when she needs you. Mm -hmm. So you say that you do believe that social media advertising is scalable? I do. I do. I mean, and again, I mean, these, these guys have got limited resources. And I know even for us right now at Kinko, we have limited resources too. And um, right now we're spending about $50 a day. It's not a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and that's average. So sometimes I'll pull back on that and then spend all my money in maybe one week and a month because we've got a press hit that just launched or um, we're launching on HSN soon. So that's part of my strategy to really hone in on that week we're going to launch on HSN so we can really be uh, on TV, on social, you know, in the press and do all of that all at once because as we all know as marketers, you know, repetition is king. So right. um, that is where, you know, just from an average standpoint, start small, test and learn. And then, yes, once you get some of those learnings, and for us in particular, we have learned that prospecting, we get a much better return on our prospecting spend than we do on our retargeting spend. So we're shifting funds, you know. So even at that small amount, you can learn. And then once you've got, once you're smarter, then if you can put some more money then where you know it's working, so then you can scale that up and reach more people as you grow. Okay, so let me ask you, what would you recommend? Because I know I hear this quite often. I know you were saying to, you know, start small, start where you are and grow from there as far as investing in social media ads, in particular um, Instagram. For those business owners who, let's say they, you know, they invest whatever they invest in their initial ad and it gets seen, mm -hmm. but there's no return on their investment. 
what would you suggest that they do? Well, have a have an emergency meeting. <laughs> Whoa, we just spent money. It did nothing. Why? Was it time of day? Was it the wrong audience? Was it our creative? Was it not engaging? And that's where in this business or in any business, ask your friends. And ask the ask the ones you love the most because they will tell you, you know, get outside help. You know, if you've started your own business, hopefully you have a mentor out there, too, who you can just bounce things off of because something went wrong, right? And there there's just a few aspects of that time of day, wrong audience content. Um, nine times out of ten, though, I think it's the content because if it doesn't resonate, if it's not engaging, if you use the still asset when today really video and gifts are um, definitely more engaging, could you have spent more money in creating more engaging content and then running the same test? Uh, but that, those are pretty much what I would start with. Um, and like I said, what I've seen is nine times out of ten, it's the content. It just wasn't engaging enough. or Maybe you had engaging content, but did you have a call to action? <laughs> you know, they're like, there is some low-hanging fruit that just sometimes gets missed. Um, the copy was wrong. Uh, like I said, no call to action, wrong time of day. But uh, content, like I already said, as we all know, is king. And I think that's the first place to look. And then you have to test again. It's going to happen. You're not going to hit a home run uh, on every single thing you do. And so just know that that happens to everybody. You're not always going to hit a home run, so it's okay. Learn from it and move on and try something else. And and don't get beat down about it. Okay. So how long would you suggest someone run an ad, per se, generally speaking, before, um, you know, because, like you said, it's repetition. So you do have to give it some time to see if it's working. So how what would yeah. be your sweet spot for that? Yeah, and I mean, again, and out of respect for all of us entrepreneurs, uh, entrepreneurs who have limited resources and limited teams, it's not as long as you would think. I mean, if I had all the money in the world, I would I would let it run for a few months just to see and constantly maneuver. Um, however, in our business particularly, I don't have that much time because it is money. I know $50 a day doesn't sound like a lot, but for a young company, we just launched in July, we're not that old, um, it's a lot of money for us. And so I would wait three weeks, four weeks before moving on because if it's not working, I can't waste that money, if you will, I've got to pivot. And so I would look at everything and um, I have a wonderful agency that I lean on that I've worked with in the past and, and their advice and their smarts because, again, team of two, uh, you can't keep up with all the social media algorithms. That's that's the one thing I've also learned in my career. Lean on the experts who know how to keep up with that and who are paid to keep up with that. Um, it's that's not me, right? So lean on some experts and and phone a friend in that regard to where they will help you know when to cut cut bait, as they say. Let me ask you this. So we have the avatar. Everybody, you know, getting there defining their um, target audience, running tests, you know, A and B testing obviously is what it, the terminology is. You said that you, your sweet spot would be about two or three weeks. I think a lot of entrepreneurs give up right before then. Um, they may run it for mm -hmm. a few days. I think one good gauge yeah. is to see if people are liking it. If people are seeing your app and no one's liking it, no one's commenting on it, I think that's the first red flag you should pay attention to. 
because that means that adding it as a whole is not getting any engagement. If you do find yourself getting some engagement, you know, likes and people leaving comments, but they're they're not transitioning into actual sales or actual leads where people go to your website and enter, let's say, their email address and their name, what would you... Yeah, what would you then say isn't working? Would it be safe to say, okay, the ad may be working as far as aesthetics goes because it engages them, they've liked it, they've left comments. What would you check? Would you check to see if there's a call to action? Would you maybe tweak what you're asking the person to do? Yeah, I, I would check with a call to action because if they're liking it, it's um, if, if they're liking it, they're engaging it, saying, love this brand, don't love this brand, whatever, <laughs> good, bad, ugly, right? Just as long as they're engaging, um, at least starting a conversation. But then I would, <laughs> next thing I would do is go to my Google Analytics on my web- website and see where is my referral traffic coming from? Is it coming from Facebook? So for this example, you know, our ads on Facebook, they're liking, they're engaging or whatever. And then if Facebook is my, you know, number one, number two referral. At least I'm getting them to my website. So I would say, yay, I'm getting to my website. Then I see a bounce rate. I'm like, ooh, something's wrong with my website. If um, we've got all these engagements and people are liking and whatever, um, but they're not coming to my website, I would first look at my audience. You know, some audiences out there are known for just liking everything. And even though they scroll, like, scroll, like, scroll, like, and I would be weary of targeting those and trying to, and really I would have to then find out, okay, who am I targeting? Are they the scroll, like, scroll, likers? Um, That's not an official term, but anyway, they like. I like it. And, um, yeah, scroll, like, scroll, like. And, um, And so that's where then go back to that target audience. Who are you talking to? Because they're not shoppers, right? They're just serial likers. And you don't want to waste money on them. Of course, you want to be on their feed, right? They're engaging. They're helping you keep populating up to the top. So that's good news, but it's not helping you from a conversion funnel. They're just stopping right there. So they're not even almost even entering the funnel. So they've got, so you've got to bring them down the funnel. So that's where how do you then click into the website? So what makes them not do that? Is it, and that's where I would start, what was your call to action? Maybe it was check out this press mention and you sent them somewhere else, right? But then they never returned to your site. Um, sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, it just depends. And, um, or is it the people you are speaking to? They're just not the right people. And while they like, for example, a natural deodorant, they're not interested in buying a natural deodorant, two different things. Okay. Well, they might not be interested in buying one right now. I will honestly say sure. when you sent me mine, I stopped using my other deodorant right away. I wasn't, I'm not that person who says, oh, I got to finish this first and then I'll get to this. I was just like, no, the, you know, the sooner the better. So let me go ahead and switch now. So I thank you for that. Once uh, again. You're, oh, you're a girl after my own heart. I, yes. I always have to try things as soon as I get them too. <laughs> yeah. And, and I will admit, I actually like the bottle because it doesn't look like a deodorant bottle. I'm very a packagey person. I, I have a degree in interior design, so I like things to look a certain way in my uh-huh. home. So I can still have Beautiful. it sitting on my little stand and it not look to me as a deodorant bottle. So that I definitely Bailey. Oh my God. You're like literally singing like ever. That's exactly because my partner, Sandy and I, we've been in this both in prestige beauty. So we're like, why does the deodorant have to be like the ugly thing on your counter? Can't we make it pretty? <laughs> yes. I think it, does it come in different sizes or just one? 
Not yet. Just one size right now. Okay. Well, let me know when y'all get a bigger size. Cause, and keep the, okay. keep the shape. Keep the same shape. <laughs> keep the same oh, shape. I know. So I like awesome. it. Oh, that is so sweet. Oh, I'm, I'm thrilled. Thank you so much. Because um, not to change subjects, but packaging is, is so important when developing products. Again, doesn't matter what it is, but people love packaging. So you've got to make sure every I is crossed, T is crossed, or I dotted, T is crossed. And um, because it is very important how something looks on the outside. And of course, without product quality, it's not going to, you know, fly off the shelves, but it still needs to look nice on the outside too. Right. The funny thing about that is I have, um, uh, a lot of eyelashes and I'll ask people oh do you like it x y and z and they're like sometimes they're like Bailey I haven't used them yet and I'm like why what? because the packaging is so pretty I don't want to mess it up and I'm looking at them like are you serious are you kidding me right now because I'm thinking in the back of my head okay that's misspelled so did I design this box to look too good to where people don't want to use the product because it looks too good. Oh my gosh I'm just like oh but no but I think packaging is everything as well so Okay, I wanted to ask you, um, I think I'm about to go into a senior moment. Hold on for a second. Um, Oh, I know. So you were talking about with the advertising, people clicking, not clicking, they might be scrollers and likers. And you mentioned to ask, you know, people that they know. I think one of the great ideas, which is what I do, if you already have clients, and when I say clients, I don't mean people that you know. I don't mean your mom, your friends, because they'll have a little bit of bias because they know you. But if you're just getting started, those handful of clients who've already purchased from you, whether you know them or don't know them, I would I think it's a great idea just to reach out to them, just to have a you know heart-to-heart talk with them, say, hey, I'm doing a quick survey. I would like to know what drew you to our brand. What did you like about it that you wanted to purchase a shirt or purchase deodorant or purchase whatever it is that you're selling? And then that way you can get real feedback on how, you know, their thought process because you really don't know the thought process until you actually ask. So once they give you things, just like with the conversation I just had with you about what I liked about the bottle, that was something that you were going for when designing it. And once you heard from me without prompting me to give you that answer, it was just like, you know, like you said, I'm a girl after your own heart. You was like, oh my God, Bailey, like you were inside, you know, I'm glad I got inside your head. Like you appreciate that. So would you do you think that's a good idea to poll your current clients just to kind of get feedback from them? And then that way that can actually help add to the development of your avatar. Absolutely. Like 110% Bailey. Um, I, at 18B, actually, we did that. And we polled because we were, you know, curious because um, we weren't seeing our repetition rate, uh, repeat buyers come back as soon as we thought they should. Um, and so we absolutely sent out just a Google form, it, nothing that cost money. It was a Google form that we created and emailed it out to purchasers and said, hey, if you fill this out, we'll give you a $10 Amazon card, which is so easy to do. You just need their email address. It's seamless. And I'll pay you $10 for your thoughts because, um, so Bailey, I owe you $10, but, uh, <laughs> but I, but absolutely, I think that is key because number one, even going back to what I said earlier, 
you're, you're conversing with your customer. You are engaging them in conversation. Yes, it's not verbal, but it is this new social language, and she wants to be a part of your community. Bring her in. You know, let her have a voice. She wants to be emotionally connected to you. If she likes you, she wants to be a part of your community. Once she's a part of your community, she becomes an ambassador, and that's the gold, right? Because then all of a sudden you have word-of-mouth marketing that's taking over, beyond your social efforts. So as, and as we all know, these devices are listening to us. So <laughs> say your friend, you know, she could be telling her friend, guess what? She's going to get served an ad on her phone, you know? So, um, so that's what the beauty of it is. Absolutely pay them for their thoughts, get them engaged, get them to become ambassadors. And you do that, you know, and then all of a sudden they're, you know, they're beyond a conversion funnel. They're your advertisers, you know, and that's what you want. So absolutely, I wholeheartedly believe in that. And when we did that with 18B, I mean, now I'll admit, I tried it without the Amazon gift card and not too many people responded. I tried it with the Amazon gift card and all of a sudden I had a flood of responses. That's okay. People's time is very valuable and I should have paid them for it, you know, so, and that's okay. Okay, perfect. So, what do you what are your takes on doing the same thing with your current followers on social media? So if you are on Instagram and I'm just throwing out a round number, you got a thousand followers, how do you I don't want to say how you can engage with them, but like what would be the proper way? Because I think social media a lot of times people want people to like them. They want people to comment on their stuff, but it's not reciprocated. So what would be a I don't want to use the word slick, but a non-intrusive way to get feedback from your current followers, whether they're a whether they've purchased from you or not, because sometimes if they're following you, they're following you for a reason already. If they're liking your post, mm-hmm. if they're leaving a comment, you know, on a consistent base, that means that they're, you know, that they like you. But I think there's a difference between liking someone, trusting someone, wanting to do business with someone, wanting to invest in someone, the list goes on. What mm-hmm. so again, what do you think would be a non-intrusive way to inject yourself into your followers' lives on social media with your comments to you know, to get some type of feedback on where they are and what they're looking for? Yeah, and you know, really, we do it a little on our account, but it's when other people post about us or when other brands, because I'm all about supporting our industry in general, <laughs> you know, and and also even clean deodorant. You know, don't put aluminum on your body. Just get a clean deodorant, and one of them will work for you. That I know. Um, will it be ours? I hope so. If it's someone else's, that's great. Just don't put aluminum on your body. And I think... For me personally, with our um, deodorant, if somebody out there is talking about microbiome, because our deodorant balances the biome that lives on your skin, <laughs> in case anyone wanted to know, we're covered in trillions of microorganisms on our skin, so let that just blow your mind for a minute. But anyway, um, so anybody like Peter Thomas Roth just came out with um, a whole skincare line focused on the microbiome. 
I'm commenting on theirs because we believe in all products that balance your microbiome and work with those bacteria and microorganisms that live on your skin. So then people start commenting, oh, hey, yeah, love the biome. What's this biome? What's going on? What's this new trend? Because it is a new trend uh, and that takes education. So we're doing that. We're uh, certified clean on Think Dirty. They post about us a lot. We engage a lot because their customers are asking and the people who follow Think Dirty are asking questions. What's the microbiome? What's the Oh, natural deodorant, is this new? Does it work? Who's tried it? Blah, blah, blah. Engaging with those guys on their app. Of course, we do it on ours too. Um, but I like doing it and having conversations outside of our own account. Number one, obviously, it's more eyes um, because a lot of those guys, like a Peter Thomas Roth, has way more followers than we do. Um, but it doesn't matter. We still support products that have the same philosophy as us. Um, and so get out there and support them too. And I think um, I think the faster our industry will learn that, I think we'd all be in a better spot. But that's a whole other soapbox and a whole other um, podcast. But anyway, <laughs> that we should just all love each other. But anyway, um, but you know, that's how we get in front of people who may not even necessarily know about us, uh, but still we're supporting them where she is and talking to her where she is and educating her in that moment. And she's learning about microbiome or clean deodorants. Uh, so obviously she's interested and we're having conversations with her on multiple accounts, not just ours. Mm -hmm. So basically what you're doing is you're adding value to someone by giving them advice on not just your product, but the industry as a whole. And you're also right. commenting on a non-direct competitor's feed about whatever it is, you know, that particular topic, which then supports them and confirms not only them, but confirms you at the same time. Um, absolutely. absolutely. Okay. I like that concept. See, that was, that's a, that's a good answer. Okay. So Chelsea, let me ask you this. What would be the three power plays? So the power plays are the three next steps that you would suggest our listeners to take um, in order to get noticed on social media? What would be the next three steps that you would encourage them to do? I guess if they're starting right now, I mean, the first thing, which, like I said at the beginning, is so important, who are you talking to? <laughs> and it sounds so simple, but find out and really dig deep in your soul. And then if it's your soul, your partner's soul, again, this team of two uh, with limited resources, who are they talking to? Because if they don't know that, they're going to start spending money and it's just going to go away in the night because they're not going to talk to anybody. So that's number one. Number two, go deep and narrow with no more than two platforms. So pick whichever two platforms are right for your business and learn it, own it, and do it well. And then third, test and learn and um, spend a little money at the beginning, start getting in front of her and, and be ready to pivot. And so, but don't pivot too fast. Give it a minute um, because the wide world of the interwebs out there is very vast and very large. You're not going to talk to her on every single um, penny you spend. You're not going to get in front of her at every moment of her life. Uh, so be patient and test and learn. Okay, perfect. I think I would like to add a fourth one. I think the last point that we just finished discussing in regards to engaging with your audience and sometimes knowing that that audience may not be in your feed, 
but in um, other brands that align with your brand's feed. All right, Chelsea. Well, how can everyone get in touch with you? Absolutely. Well, our website for Kinko is www.kinko.care. Um, and if anybody ever wants to email me, it's my first name, Chelsea at Kinko.care. Email me anytime. I'd love to hear from you guys. And what are you on social media? At Kinko.care <laughs> for Instagram Perfect. and for Facebook. Those are my two platforms. Facebook and Instagram are the two I have personally chosen for our brand that I focus on. So give us a like, follow us, um, and certainly DM me with uh, thoughts, comments, and I'll get right back to you. Okay, perfect. Well, Chelsea, I want to thank you again for being on our show. And to all my CEOs out there, remember that business is a lifestyle. Use everyone, but don't misuse anyone. Until next time. Thanks again for joining us this week on CEO Combo. Visit our website, hustlertoceo.com, and subscribe to ensure you never miss an episode. While you're at it, if you're loving the combo we're serving up, please give us a five-star rating or tell a friend. Don't forget to rep your CEO status and order your Hustler to CEO gear today. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of CEO Combo, the podcast for unapologetically ambitious entrepreneurs.